And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Welcome to Season 3 of My Public Life as an American Nerd. I am your host, David K. Montoya. That's right, kids. I decided to come back. Uh, It it was a a tough journey to get here. I had kind of thought about restarting in April uh, during Endgame, and then I I thought about coming in in May. But uh, it, it ended up being now. In fact, I, I was going to come in last week and do a new episode. I just, I was under the weather. But here we are today. And if you are brand new to this show, uh, first let me welcome you. I am David K. Montoya. I am the host. I created this show. And pretty much what this is, is an opportunity to be a nerd. And while I am 42 years old and a father of three and own my own business, I am a nerd at heart. I enjoy nerd movies. I enjoy comic books. I enjoy books. I enjoy cartoons. I like old school anime. And to the new edition that we are going to talk about here on this podcast is I have recently gotten into uh, collecting action figures. Now, and I'm not talking like G.I. Joe or He-Man or anything like that. Um, these are collectible specialties, and I'm not talking about Funkos, which I, I admit I do have some Funkos I've received for like uh, presents, birthdays, and whatnot. Um, but these particular type of figures are... Items that are, number one, are are fairly costly. Um, I got into collecting uh, NECA. And NECA is a brand of action figures or collectible figures, however you want to pronounce them. And, well, first of all, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, Mario Martinez, uh, he was a guest, I want to say like episode two last season, um, he turned me on to these collectibles and he was like, you know, telling me how cool they were. And then I was into it. I really was into it. But then I went ahead and, and bit the bullet and bought my first NECA figure. Now, anybody that knows me knows that I, I've enjoyed Nightmare on Elm Street since its inception back in 1984. And I was very young. I seen it. I seen it on HBO. And from that point forward, I was hooked. I was afraid to go to sleep, and he was my favorite villain. So what I decided to do was for like 35 bucks, I, I went to, and this is no, I'm not plugging this um, for a sponsorship or anything like this. It's just the, the website that I, I go to to purchase my figures, and I'm just sharing it with you, the listeners, is uh, BigBagToyStory.com. And I picked up a Nightmare on Elm Street 2 action figure. Now, like I said, 35 bucks for an action figure. You're probably saying, ouch, you know, that, that's kind of expensive. And yes, it is. It is an expensive purchase. Um, 
but as we get into today's topic of you know which uh what i'm going to be showcasing this this episode 35 bucks is nothing it really is uh just a, a drop in the bucket it, it can get up to hundreds and hundreds of dollars so i went and i bought the nightmare on street 2 and it was freddy and i don't know if you remember the the actual movie it was it was probably the the lesser of of all the Freddy Krueger movies, um, two was in my opinion, but there was some really cool demon dogs in there. And when they peed, they peed fire. So in the back of Freddy, there's two demon dogs, uh, from that movie. And, you know, you can take them out. I, I'm not one right now. I may in the future, but currently I'm not one to take it out of the box. I have everything in my box. Um, but anyway, they had those, and I was hooked. I was like, oh, I got to buy another one. I got to buy another one. So the following month, uh, again, Mario texted me and told me about um, GameStop. GameStop sells naked figures. And I'm like, right on. So my daughter Zoe and I went down there, and we checked it out. And I found a exclusive Nightmare on Elm Street video game, Nintendo-approved. Uh, figure and essentially it was the same figure of the second Nightmare on Elm Street, but it was colored uh, different colors to match what Freddy looked like back in the old Nintendo Entertainment System game back in the 80s. And I was like, okay, you know what? It's only like 30 something bucks. Let's go ahead and buy it. So I had bought my second one. And then the following month came and I was really. By this point, I was like really into it. Um, I, I wanted another figure, but I I needed to because I, I have kind of OCD about certain things and, and numbering is one of them. And so I was like, if I have number two, I have to have number one. So I looked online and found a number one on eBay that was for 20 bucks. So right away, I went and, and logged into the eBay account and bought this. And, and I didn't realize it until after I had paid and I got the receipt back from it in my email that this was coming from China. So I text messaged Mario Martinez and told him, hey, you know, I, I bought a, a, a number of Freddy Krueger number one or Nightmare on Elm Street number one um, from China. And it was only 20 bucks. And he's like, bro, you need to be careful because shit that comes from China is there's a high likelihood of it being fake. And I was like, Oh, okay. Okay. So I waited and waited and waited. And of course, because it's coming from China, it always takes forever. Right? So we get it. Well, you get it. I get it. Um, I'm used to saying we, because of my kids, but this, this one's for me guys. This one's, uh, this is all my collectability here. So I get it in from China and I, I'm really excited to see, you know, what's there. And I open it up and I right away, I notice it. It's, it's an, a NECA box. It's the real thing. I see the barcode. I was really excited. Um, then I noticed that there was like uh, some abnormalities to the box. And I was like, oh, no, because I bought it and it said brand new. And I can look at the box on the outside and I, I knew it was not brand new. So I opened it up and... It was it was the Nightmare on Street one. It was Freddy. Freddy was there, but there was things missing uh, because there's like you can change Freddy's head, his face, his hands, his hat, 
And, um, you know, in the very first Freddy Krueger, Nightmare on Elm Street, there's a, a scene where Nancy is holding the, the old telephone, the blue telephone, if I remember right. And Freddy's tongue comes out of it and tries to kiss her. Well, they, there's actually an accessory to that. That is, it's the phone, and it's Freddy's mouth on the, the receiver of the phone, and his tongue's coming out. Well, unfortunately, that was missing. And then um, the uh, one of the masks were missing, and I believe the hat was missing. So I was really upset. So I, I called, uh, I didn't even call eBay. I just called PayPal, you know, because it's, you're always under PayPal protection. So, uh, I went ahead and, and got that replaced. Well, I didn't get replaced. I got reimbursed. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to pay the money. And I ordered it from the big bad toy story.com and I received it and it was perfect. It's beautiful. Everything was where it needed to be. I, I really dug it. I, you know, I got to see there, like I said, the phone that was like, I don't know, that was the selling point to me because of, it was just like, I remember as a little boy seeing it and I, I remember that tongue coming out and I was like, you know, that's really gross. So that was my selling point. And when I opened it, the one from China and it wasn't there, it was kind of really upset me, but this was there, you know, they, their stuff is brand new and they can they are very reputable as far as business and i recommend them highly uh if they want to sponsor us that's completely fine by the way just putting that out there so with those two actually three because now i have uh nightmare on street one i have that figure i have two and then i have the uh video game figure so now I was like, I want another one. <laughs> that was my mentality. I need another one. So I went on the hunt to find my fourth figure. Now, this is really addicting. It's seriously addicting. So what did I find? Well, again, my OCD kicking in, I, I needed part three, you know. So I looked around. It was kind of tricky to find, but I found a part three, again, from the uh, the same website. And I was just, I was like, oh, as soon as I got it, I was like, oh, I, I need to buy part four. And I, I seriously, I would have bought part four, you know, the part four figure last month in May if I could have found it. And again, my OCD, I have to have the same type of box. So all the boxes have to match. And and I did find an, like a, a Surgeon Freddy Krueger figure that was from part four, but it didn't have the same box. So I, I set that one out and it was around that time uh, that I I'm switching subjects here, by the way, folks. So just kind of I'm leaving the, the neck of figures into my next topic. So just kind of keeping along here is. Uh, in May, I decided that I was going to go look at venues because uh, I'm trying to think of how I can say this without spoiling too much. One of the things that I always wanted to do was I wanted to have like a Comic-Con here in the high desert. Now, the high desert is, is, is just that. It's, 
it's you go up it's like okay you were in los angeles hollywood area you drive through san bernardino which is another big size area and then you go up this mountain and the first city you get to is considered high desert you're not quite into the desert desert is like mojave desert um so it is hesperia oak hill victorville lancaster apple valley which where i am and barstow that is the high desert and we don't have number one we don't have that many comic book shops um and there's one that I highly recommend if you're here in the High Desert area and it's in Hesperia. Um, and it's called uh, High Desert Comic Cult. And those guys are awesome. And maybe one of these days I can try to bring uh, Henry, the owner, uh, on here and have a, a conversation with him. But anyway, I, I digress and I apologize. So what I wanted to do was I wanted to hold a convention for nerds up here in the high desert and originally my idea i was going to call it you know because we have jaselmon company and then we have the jaselmodcast podcast network you know so essentially what i was doing is, is i was taking jaselmole and then added you know whatever so what i was calling it originally was jaselmoncon which does have a great ring to it but when you sit down and you start thinking about probability of promotion, people are not going to know what in the world a Jaisal Moncon is. They're like, well, it kind of sounds sci-fi-y, so I'm not a sci-fi fan, so I'm just going to pass. You see what I'm saying? So what I ended up doing is sitting down, rethinking everything, and came up with PCE, which is um, – now, Jaisalmon's still in there. It's actually Jaiselmon's PCE or Jaiselmon's Pop Culture Expo. And that's what I'm working on is bringing a nerd expo to the high desert. And during May, I needed to start saving up for a down payment on a venue. So instead of buying uh, the Nightmare on Street 4 figure that I found, I, I ended up just putting the money aside for a venue which as of right now i i was almost set about to set in stone but i was contacted by somebody to said check this venue out and i'm actually looking for an email tomorrow to see what kind of numbers they throw at me as far as down payment and how much it's going to cost and square footage uh to make the final decision but i can say as of right now the expo is set for February 15th, 2020. And either venue, it will be held in Victorville, California. And, of course, I'm trying to, to bring in celebrities. You know, and it, that's, that's a whole other uh, can of worms, I guess, is the best way to say it. You know, because for me... I know who I would want to bring in, but I'm looking at other expos and what's hot right now. And this is not about me. This is about you, the, the fans, the people, you know, people that are like me, that enjoy everything nerd culture. And 
it's for you guys. So I want I'm looking to find out what is accepted, what you guys want in the nerd culture as far as celebrities. And I, I, I have to say that I'm quite surprised that like, um, voice actors are really in demand. Uh, famous cosplayers are, I don't know. I don't know if famous is an appropriate word. Well-known, uh, cosplayers are, are in demand as well. So I'm, I'm trying to bring those people in. Uh, what we are going to have is it's a, we're going to have vendors there, you know, selling merchandise, toys and comics and books. And we're going to have hosts there and we're going to have authors and artists and oh, in fact, I, I'm putting together. Uh, well, I've I've literally cut out a section of of the venue for this. That's as, pretty much as far as I've gotten. I'm actually going to hand it off to the the people that I was talking about earlier at the the High Desert Comic Con because or not High Desert Comic Con. I'm sorry, High Desert Comic Cult, and have them set it up because they are known for their card games. And I would like for them to host a, a card game event there at the expo. And then one of the things that I feel is exciting is we're going to be doing live podcasts. Now, you can probably hear it in my voice. It's already cracking. It's because I haven't done a podcast in six months. So I have to kind of retrain my voice to be able to talk you know, for at least 45 minutes nonstop, it's just, it, my voice is weak. So I, I, give me a while and I'll get back into the routine of things and I'll be okay. Uh, though I, I have to say, you know, in the next, say, 30 minutes or so, I might be sounding like, you know, um, Christian Bale's Batman, but, you know, uh, we will get to the end of the show. Uh, another thing that I'm excited about is that we are going to be offering the winner of a contest that I, I'm currently holding. Now, a lot of people don't associate me with the David K. Montoya, who is the publisher of the World of Myth magazine, but I am the one and same person. And uh, in fact, that's one of the reasons why I merged the company recently. Uh, I don't know if it happened while I was on the air, I think it happened while I was off the air. And what I did is I merged Dark Myth Production Studios and Jaiselmon Productions. And I mashed them together and became the Jaiselmon Dark Myth Company. So anyway, I hold, or I hold, I, I publish a magazine called The World of Myth, which you can go to www.theworldofmyth.com. And... We took we it was a, it was an appreciation it was the idea uh, I, I was going to publish this book called the end but I just didn't feel like I had the followers to to put out my book so since I had an open spot in my market because we publish books now too or you know books novels novelettes that kind of thing um, I decided to hold a contest and whoever won would get that spot. And we would publish their book in a paperback form and in e-format. So other than that, 
I figured let's just go ahead and make it fun. I, I believe the winner gets like $200, $250, something like that in cash too as well. But what we're going to do is we're going to go, we're going to buy the author a ticket to PCE. We're going to get them there. We're going to give them like maybe 50 books and give them a free booth and say, congratulations, this is the winner of the Open Contract Challenge, which is the name of the contest. And you can go to www.opencontractchallenge.com, all one word, and you can kind of see what's going on. Uh, we started with 20 contestants. Now we're down to 10. And then within, the, I believe, at the end of this month, is it this month or next month? I think it might be next month. Uh, we'll be down to five, and then two, and then one. And that number one will be uh, announced, by the way, on our 15th anniversary issue of The World of Myth, which comes out September 6th. Uh, I know that if anybody that's following this follows The World of Myth as well knows that uh, The World of Myth usually comes out on the 24th, but we are doing it on the, the 6th of September, because that is the actual 15-year anniversary of the magazine. So anyway, we've got that going, and we're going to have uh, the winner of the Open Contract Challenge there to sign books and autographs and meet people and, and be in California, uh, possibly for the first time. And I, I, I've been working on that as well. Um, let's see, what else? Also... Uh, after the after the expo, well, as of right now, it's planned for after the expo, but things could change. I mean, as as I speak, nothing is set in stone uh, as far as the expo goes. No contracts have been signed. Um, we have been running this business, the I guess you could say the Jaisalmon Dark Myth Company, even though Jaisalmon started in 2012. But the dark myth part of the company has been around for almost 30 years. Uh, in fact, in 2022, it will be 30 years. And um, I, I might tell you that story one day. It's, it's a fun story to reminisce over. So anyway, I've been blessed to have a lot of people work on different things with me over the last almost 30 years. And this was brought up, gosh, years ago, years ago. Um, it, was a, it was a conversation between uh, my mentor and my, my dear friend Terry D. Shearer and I. And I brought Terry in in 2004 for the World of Myth magazine, and he just kind of took off and, and became part of the company too. Uh, until he retired, I think it was 2014. So he, he ran with it for like 10 years. Uh, and then he, he had passed away in, in uh, 2016. So we were talking about it, and I was joking. You know, I said, one day I, I'm going to honor all these people that have worked for me and, and put them into like a, a Hall of Fame. And I remember he looked at me, and he's like in his gruff voice, he's like, you know, well, if you put me in a Hall of Fame, you better give me a ring. So that's exactly what I'm going to do. Is I am inducting 
three at the moment, possibly four. I, I haven't decided if we're going to run with the legacy induction yet, but we are definitely inducting three. And it's my very first editor, my very first inker, the first two people I ever worked with when I was 13. Actually, well, yeah, I guess back in 13 as well. But I was more, I was 15 when... Um, the business actually started. And then, of course, I'm inducting Terry Shearer as well because he just – a lot. He meant, he meant a lot to me. So I'm inducting him. And like – I wish he was here that I could give it to him firsthand. But uh, along with getting a, a really nice plaque, um, each inductee will also receive – a Hall of Fame ring. And that was, even though it was a joke, and I knew it was a joke when Terry said it, uh, that was Terry's idea. So I'm, I'm doing that also, too, to kind of honor him. And like I said, that is to uh, happen right, well, not right after, probably like an hour, because it's probably going to take like an hour for everybody to get out and then for people to come in and set it up for the ceremony. And then we're going to do the ceremony. And we have somebody in, in mind from the world of myth to be a host. And we also plan on live streaming the event on neither YouTube or Facebook or something. But we're going to live stream it. And that's going to happen most likely right after PCE. Unless things financially change and I get a better offer on a venue, then that might change. But as of right now, it's it's all on February 15th. So that is pretty well no, that's not true. I, I <laughs> I've got what uh four minutes and, and twenty seconds before I go into my next spill. So Anybody that knows I'm a writer knows that I've, I write for the world of myth. And for the last 19 months, I have been writing a ongoing murder mystery called Through the Eyes of Madness. And I'm going to go ahead and announce it here because I don't know how many people from the world of myth actually listen to any of the Jason Modcast podcast uh, shows. So I, I think it's safe to say here. And you guys will get it first. And if you're interested, you can go to www.theworldofmyth.com. Go up to Contributors and then click on M. Then you'll see my name, David K. Montoya. Click on that bad boy. Scroll down and you'll see every single part of the, the story for Through the Eyes of Madness. Or you could simply wait until like December I, I'm thinking it's December, as the novelized version comes out. I was answering uh, statements or comments on the on the magazine today, and somebody said it was flat, and then uh, I, a guy named Alan, I, I think it was my friend Alan, I, I don't know if it was Russo or not, but um, said, well, there's a reason for that. And there is a reason, because... I omit so much content from each part. Now, by the time this ends, 
there's going to be a lot. I, I, I want to say probably 35,000 words omitted from the actual story. So people on the world of myth are, are getting the story, but they're not getting the whole story. And that's because, number one, there's content that just can't go on there. And number two, I want fresh content for when the book comes out. So that's why a lot of stuff is being omitted. But trust me, I guarantee you guys are totally going to dig what I have in store for you as far as like – because it's not just like – Oh, I, I'm cutting this piece out, and, and the story kind of kind of goes on without it. It it's it makes the story whole. I mean, yes, there's reasons why th when you read the world of myth stuff, there seems like there's holes in in the story, and that's purposely, and it's strategic. And like I said, hopefully, I believe it's in December. I think it's in December, November, December. It will be coming out, and we will have the entire story. And I, I, I'm hoping that it's going to be somewhere between 70 and 80,000 words. That's where I would like it to be at. But as of right now, just in the, the writing stages of things, I think I'm at like 54,000 words right now. So it's very possible to go over the 80,000 words. I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, okay, so what I'm going to do, I think, for the next 15 minutes is I have some things that I want to cover, which I usually do for this podcast. And that is um, I go over different news, you know, nerd news. Uh, I've got one movie news, one cartoon news, one comic book news, and then one toy news. Um, so let's go ahead and because I am an X-Men fan and I have not seen the new X-Men Dark Phoenix. I, I just, I'm afraid to because of what I've heard. I, I just, <clears throat> the guy that wrote the original X3, X-Men Last Stand, they brought him back to write it again, the same story, write it again, but now direct it as well. And uh, yeah, I hear it's really bad. In fact, the, the name of this story, of this article particularly, uh, written by Sam Stone, is Dark Phoenix International Box Office Won't Save Fox's X-Men Finale. And that's kind of a shame because X-Men's my favorite. But Fox has never done anything right as far as the X-Men. The only thing that they came close to was the animated, the 1990s animated series. They did that pretty close. I mean, that was that was pretty dead on. Uh, but as far as like live action, they've missed it every single time. So let's go ahead and take a peek and see what it says here. All right. It says, After its disastrous domestic opening weekend, Dark Phoenix has posted a similarly disappointing box office totals overseas. 
Fox's final main installment of the long-running X-Men franchise has earned $103.7 million overseas, combined with the underperformance at the box office over the opening weekend. The film currently has earned $136,500 million at the global box office. Wow, that's <clears throat> you usually get most of your money in global sales. It says the largest market has been China, of course, with $45.6 million overseas earning earning coming from the Asian East Asian country, boosted by a local three-day holiday weekend that ended up pulling in more than its domestic opening of $32.8 million. The movie received a slight boost in IMAX screenings with 91 or 9.1 million in earnings overseas. Fox's second biggest opening weekend in a theatrical format. Wow. That's yikes. Okay, it says Fox's final installment of X-Men franchise is facing box office disappointment overseas. Dark Phoenix opened at $103.7 million overseas this past weekend, below studio expectations. The film worldwide box office totals is currently $136.5 million. The film's largest market is Chinese. We just covered that. <clears throat> I'm going through... Um, Kind of a slideshow here, folks. So that's why some things are being repeated. Uh, Dark Phoenix opened 30% weaker overseas in 2016's Apocalypse. It opened 23% weaker overseas than X-Men's X-Men Days of the Future Past. The film is on track just across $2 million overseas. And three million worldwide, three hundred million worldwide. The, the the film faces strong competition in Toy Story 4 opening the next week. I I wouldn't mind seeing that one actually, but so there you go, kids. Um, I guess I'm not the only one that just just not interested in in seeing another messed up version of the Dark Phoenix saga. I mean, I. You know, you, you've you already let the guy screw it up once and he screwed it up twice. Uh, hopefully now that Disney has the reins, they're not going to let him screw it up a third time. Okay, let's go ahead and move right along. And, you know, when I was I was younger, I used to watch Darkwing Duck. Um, I always enjoyed that show. And I always liked, uh, what was his name? Gizmo Duck. Yeah, he was my favorite. But uh, before all those fun characters came in, there there was just Darkwing Duck, Launchpad McQuack, and what was her name? Webby? Or am I thinking of DuckTales? I don't remember. I'll have to... Or am I getting it all? I might be getting everything confused, kids. It's it's been a long, long time since I've watched 
uh, Darkwing Duck. I don't know. Okay, let's see what it says. I, I think I'm just getting way confused here. And I, of course, I have to put the disclaimer. Warning, the following content contains spoilers for season two of Disney's DuckTales. All right, there you go. Uh, Darkwing Duck becomes a cult figure in the 1990s, especially to fans of DuckTales. While the latter was a rollicking, rollicking? I think it's supposed to be rollicking. Adventure that focused on Scrooge McDuck's family, Darkwing was a parody of the classic character like the Shadow and, yes, Batman. However, with DuckTales' reboot finally being bringing Darkwing back into the fold, he receives a new origin that reframes the vigilante as something more than a playful spinoff of the Dark Knight. Huh. <clears throat> You couldn't help compare Drake Mallard to his Darkwing alter ego to Bruce Wayne and the Cape Crusader, especially in the era in which Batman the Animated Series existed. In his case, Drake wasn't patrolling Gotham, but the dark, crime-ridden city of St. Canard. Drake didn't lose his parents and turn to a life of crime fighting, but he did set up his own lair and masquerade as a billionaire by day. He prowled the rooftops, backlit by flashes of light in the same fashion that Frank Miller brought Dark Knife to life. Throw in Darkwing's gadgets, the gas gun, the grappling gun, smoke bombs, and a family of sidekicks, his adoptive daughter, Goslin, ah, that was it, Launchpad McQuack, yes, and a genius in Honker. I don't remember Honker. And the similarities are undeniable. Okay. Yeah, okay, okay. Now, I guess I wasn't too far off now. I, I kind of got myself a little uh, confused there. My apologies. Uh, not to mention Darkwing as Launchpad, or DW, uh, Launchpad called him has his Thunderquack jet, the Rat Hatcher, uh, Rat Catcher motorcycle. Oh, that's a tongue twister. Just like Batman's customized modes of transportation. For good measure, Darkwing also trained in martial arts, learning from the likes of Goose Lee and the Variable One, cementing his position as a worldly fighter. However, all of this was told with comedy and in a let's get respectable. Darkwing actually tried to make his character less intimidating to the public as a suitable shot at how dark DC's Batman was. The changes in DuckTales, The Duck Knight Returns, in which Darkwing's origin is completely remodeled. Here, Drake is an actor and a stuntman. In Scrooge's Darkwing, first dark, the first darkness movie, Darkwing isn't a real-life superhero in St. Canard, but rather a TV character played by Jim Starling, voiced by Jim Cunnings, who played the original Darkwing Duck. 
directed by Alistair Boosman, is filmed a reboot of in Duckburg. And he wants Drake to play the younger, hip version of the hero. Of course, Sterling, a washed-up salesman, doesn't react well and becomes obsessed with playing his old character and even attempts to kidnap Drake, one of his biggest fans. Okay. It comes to head at the studio when Jim impersonates Drake and runs, ruins the shoot. Drake breaks free, however, and with Launchpad's help... He takes down Jim and saves the set. Following the explosion, drama, and the spirit of justice, Drake realizes that rather than simply playing a hero on screen, he can be one in real life. Launchpad encourages him to follow his new dream, setting them up to be partners down the line. It's a whole new dramatic... There should be a comic there, or a comma there... <laughs> Because Drake, a down-and-out actor, doesn't have the money the original Darkwing Duck has. Nor does he have the connections to his old Sush organization, St. Canard's version of S.H.I.E.L.D., with some Justice League thrown in. Huh, okay. He's starting from scratch with a little no little to nothing in his to his name, giving us the most grounded, ground bare bones version of Darkwing we we've ever seen. As he sets off his journey, one that kills off one Darkwing and gives rise to another. He may be biting off more danger than he can chew on. Okay, well, there you go. Um if anybody watches it, let me know. You can uh, definitely drop by and drop me an email and let me know how that goes. Um, I think I'm going to stay in the past with that one. Uh, yeah. So, all right. Going and moving right along. So, are any of you guys Walking Dead fans? I mean, and I'm not talking the, the TV series. Now, I did enjoy the first three seasons of The Walking Dead uh, TV series, but I, I kind of fell off after that. And I guess they made it to nine seasons, and I, I heard it's pretty rough now. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the good old black and white Walking Dead comic book published by Image Comics. There's there's so much more con. I mean, and that's pretty much anything when it comes to tv to or written to tv you know there's there's always something missed but i have and this one is written by ronaldo mathedin mathedin m-a-t-a-d-e-e-n Mat mathedin and the title reads walking dead spoilers death is exactly what the comic needs which is kind of funny because, you know, Walking Dead's full of, you know, death. And the article reads, of course, the mandatory spoiler alert. Warning, the following article contains spoilers for The Walking Dead 192 by Robert Kirkman, Charlie Adlar, Stefano Guanino, and Cliff Rad Rathburn, now on sale. 
It says, fandom has certainly been split about the death of Rick Grimes in The Walking Dead 192. Many believe Rick earned his death, and it was bound to happen, especially considering creator Robert Kirkman had made it clear for years that not even the comic's lead protagonist was safe. Others were angry as they felt the antagonist Sebastian Milton was too new and too trivial to be the one to finally bring him down. Mm, well, yeah, you know. Mm. It says, but while both sides argue over the significance of Rick's murder and the person who shot him, what's clear is that this is precisely the kind of shakeup needed to revitalize the long-running comic book. Kirkman himself addressed concerns about the comic becoming repetitive, starting The Walking Dead, stating The Walking Dead will always be about societies meeting each other, new experiences shaping heroes and villains, and other, of course, the conflict that arises between them. Some readers felt that the Commonwealth Corp was a rehash of problems Rick's faced with Negan survivors. In terms, the ideal and philosophies, other, while others maintained there was also an air of predictability to those new stories, which at times patterned Rick's after the governor, particularly after he killed Dwight. But as Kurtman said, it simply is what moves the needle along for the human tale against the backdrop of a human, or not human, but a, a zombie apocalypse. However, when you chronicle such stories for nearly 200 issue, it bounds to get a little monotonous, fostering the desire for comics to be reinvigorated. Rick's death arguably couldn't have been handled better, but ultimately, Carl putting down the undead father is a tragedy that posed to further the boy's evolution into the leader fans have been waiting for him to become. You know, yeah, I mean, that's just, it makes sense, gang. It really does. For me, it makes sense. Um, yeah, uh, okay, let me keep going. It also takes the focus away from Rick's style of leadership, which over for the past 30 issues or so doesn't inspire all as it, do, as it did in the old days at the prison or Herschel's farm. It's like a presidency that dragged on too long. But removing Rick from the equation, it's not only Carl, but the entire alliance of Alexia or Alexandria, Hilltop, and the kingdom that now gets to reset of sorts. Sure, they'll keep their status quo, but this was a vision laid out by Rick, which means Maggie, Michonne, and company now have a new canvas to paint a future for communities. We don't expect everyone to remain the same after a stranger killed their leader, after all. That said, Rick's death allows a new dramatic between towns, and more tension between the key players to develop. To develop. Sorry, read that wrong. 
Kurtzman is now more free to chart new storytelling territory within his fictional post-apocalyptic universe. More so, there is now a window of opportunity to introduce new players. Hey, maybe even Daryl Dixon. Because Rick's death, like it or not, untethered The Walking Dead from its past. Wow. And can you believe it's actually been going on for 16 years? Yeah, 16 years. It says, ultimately, we can appreciate Rick's death wasn't for shock value, but it was perhaps a defibrillator. It's a jolt of Walking Dead status quo that opens the door to turmoil within Rick's former inner circle or another time jump to demonstrate an era has indeed in the past. Rick built societies, united outsiders in peace and in death. He actually taught the Commonwealth how to move forward, both the politicians and the insurgents. So he's done his job and handed off the baton. With that in mind, killing off Rick represents a soft reboot of sorts to ensure the next chapter is fresh, provocative, and more importantly, unpredictable. And it says, Walking Dead 193 goes on sale July 3rd. Um, you know, it's one of those situations where I, I can back, you know, as a writer and storyteller, you know, sometimes you've got to do things that you may not particularly want to do in order to keep the ball rolling. Um, you know, I, I think that the Walking Dead TV show would be going into their 10th season if they had followed suit uh, to the comic books. And I think Carl taking over his dad's reign is, is a beautiful idea. Because, I mean, in, in the, the ultimate outlook on things, uh, especially as a father, you know, you, you want your oldest child to take, take your role, take your spot when you're old or you're dead. You know, you, because within them taking command or taking your, your, you know, your role in a, in a weird way, it keeps you alive. So I think that's a, I, I think that's a brilliant idea. I really do. So I commend him. Um, I w I've always liked uh, Kirkman's work. So, you know, good job. Keep going. All right, kids, we are coming to the end, and I've got one more thing to share with you. And this is from the Big Bad Toy Store, the, the one I keep uh, mentioning. And this is uh, a featured pre-order item. And that's probably what I'm going to do is, is do the pre-ordered, uh, you know, because then you have an opportunity to go to the, the website and find what I'm talking about. And if you like it, then you can get it. So this one is the pre-order for the Alien Xenomorph Queen Deluxe Action Figure by NECA. Um, you know, I, like I said, I'm, I'm a big NECA fan. Um, so I will probably be, be reviewing a lot of NECA items. Now, 
I'm looking at it and I wish I could just tell you how gorgeous the queen looks. It's just, you know, they, the detail that they put into each figure is absolutely amazing. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read the product description and then I'll hit you with the price and then we'll start wrapping things up. Okay. Okay, product's description. It says, in honor of the 35th anniversary of the Alien franchise, NECA has created one of the most massive and most ambitious alien figures. The terrifying alien xenomorph queen figure is based on her appearance in the 1986 film. She stands over 15 inches tall and is over 30 inches long. With over 30 points of articulation, including a spectacle posable tail. That's awesome. Bring some of the movie's most thrilling scenes to life in this realistic detail because the queen is completely in scale with our current alien action figure line. The NECA alien queen includes a display stand and two different interchangeable inner mouths. See what I mean about changing, you know, that you can change things. And that's that's another thing that it's, I think is just absolutely kick ass is that you you can, you know, it's not one thing that you know if you take it out and you pose it you know and you're like eh, i want to do something next month you can change the mouth it's it's just awesome it really is uh it says the box content is the xenomorph figure queen figure two inner mouse and a display stand and of course i i am uh, i have to do the general safety warning that the products sold may be intended for adult collectors. Products may contain sharp points, small parts, choking hazards, and other elements not suitable for children under the age of 16 years old. And I'm going to hit you with the price. Um, and it is. Now, the MSRP is actually priced at $149.99. Uh, but... You can save 20% at the Big Bad Toy Store and get it for $119.99. And that might actually be something that if you want to start collecting, maybe this is a good jump-in point. Yes, I, I do realize that it is fairly expensive, but once you get the figure in front of you and you look at all the detail... You're like, okay, it's a, it, it's worth it. It really is. Absolutely. So check it out. And let me know if you grab a figure and it comes in. Send me an email at my public life as an American nerd, all one word, at jayzomon, J-A-Y-Z-O-M-O-N.com. And in the, the subject title, I'll just put like Xenomorph Queen figure or something, you know, so I know. That it's not like random um, spam. Okay? Because I've been getting a lot of that lately. Uh, you can go in and check us out. If you like this show, you can go to our archives at the Jaiselmon. Or excuse me. Oh my gosh. I screwed up after all these years. At the Jaiselmodcast Podcast Network at www.jaiselmon. J-A-Y-Z-O-M-O-N. Dot com slash jayzo modcast j-a-y-z-o-m-o-d-c-a-s-t slash my public life it's my underscore public underscore life and you'll be able to find all the back catalog 
Or if you want to listen to something other than me ramble on, you can go. We have uh, the World of Myth Bits at the, the network as well. And let's see. I think that's it for right now, actually. We are looking at bringing in a new host for Flashback Fridays. But if you're interested in checking out our old stuff, we have a huge, huge back catalog of podcast shows and hours upon hours of entertainment there at the Jaisal Modcast Podcast Network. And if you happen to be on Twitter, you can check us out at www.twitter.com slash jaisalmodcast, J-A-Y-Z-O-M-O-D-C-A-S-T. Uh, give us a follow, and we'll try to follow you back. Or if you're on Facebook, you can go to facebook.com slash jazomodcast1, the number one, and give us a like there, and get all of everything first. And then um, you can also go to SoundCloud slash jazel modcast oh goodness soundcloud slash jazel modcast and or just go to soundcloud.com type in jazel modcast and like us and then because out of everything soundcloud gets it first so i suggest that as well um okay kids i am at like the 57-ish minute mark. I am surprised that my voice held up. I was able to cover everything. I hope this was a good kickstart to season three. And for my public life as an American nerd, I am David K. Montoya. And for this episode, I bid you adieu.